Greetings and welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built and it was always a call to worship. Well, Welcome to the worship services of Alamo First Baptist Church. I'm Brother Chris Rigby. I'm standing here this morning in front of our bell. This is the original bell that was at our old location uh, years ago. It uh, was there when the church was first built, and it was always a call to worship. Well, when we moved to our new campus here several years ago, we brought it with us. And not too long ago, we got to put it up. We're so excited about it because it reminds us that we're coming together into this building to worship. And we are excited that today you've decided to tune in to our broadcast to worship our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our prayer this morning is that you will see the great love that Jesus has for you and the great love that we have for you as well this morning as we worship together. We look forward to meeting you and your family and we invite you to be a part of any of our worship services, our activities or ministries here. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, probably the best way to do that is just drop us a line at our email address, alamofirstbaptist at gmail.com. All of it spelled out, just gmail.com, alamofirstbaptist. We look forward this morning to worshiping with you. We pray God's blessings upon you and your family as we go inside now and we worship together. Let's go ring that bell for Jesus.
Amen. And good morning. It's good to see you this morning. And uh, glad that you're here. Glad that you're joining us online and worshiping with us this morning. I want to thank you personally for the prayers this week. Uh, I am doing excellent with my knee. Uh, Dr. Hutchinson did a wonderful job this week. Uh, I hadn't felt as good as I feel today in some two and a half, almost three months now. So I appreciate your prayers, and I'm just excited now to, to, to be able to stand up and, and not be uh, in any pain. So a uh, three-hour sermon today, just beware, all right? A <laughs> uh, couple announcements that we do want to make before we have our opening prayer this morning. Our plan is in October, we're going to reopen Sunday morning the way that we uh, typically uh, have it, with the exception of our coffee fellowship, all right? So Sunday school will be as uh, it has been in the past, and then worship uh, on a regular schedule uh, as well. Now, if your Sunday school class doesn't feel comfortable, teachers, uh, coming back together just yet, that's fine, Okay. No law saying that you must come, all right, uh, on that uh, particular time. Uh, if you want to meet in a bigger area, we'll do what we can to accommodate that. Just please be sure to see us. We'll either try to get a bigger area for your class to meet in or maybe a different time in a different classroom uh, for you to meet in. But uh, we're going to do the best that we can to go back in October to that normal uh, schedule of getting together and, and hope that... Uh, that we can continue to, to keep that. We'll see how it goes. Things have been going uh, in a positive direction, I think, uh, overall. There's been some spikes in some places, but, but so far, so good, knock on wood, and we'll keep praying for the best. And then on Wednesday during October, we're going to open back up as well. We've already opened up the worship service. I don't think that's going to be an issue to be able to spread out that, but we're going to be doing our children's uh, ministries. We've already been doing our youth, so... Uh, really, we're just simply adding the children's choir ministries to that. Uh, October the 4th, we've got uh, the uh, bike and trikathon for the kids. Uh, that'll be at 5 o'clock. You can sign up easily on that. Just go to the First Baptist Church. I think there's a kids' ministry page, group page. You can go to it. Uh, just uh, text one of the uh, children's committee or let Megan know, and, and she'll be sure that you're signed up. Also, that's a donation thing. I think they're taking up for the Crockett Chris Christmas Store Ministry. So if you want to give uh, to the kids who will be biking and triking uh, for that, you can do that. That's October the 4th. And then the last Sunday in October, uh, we're going to have our Trunk and Treat Fall Fellowship. We're going to be out back. We're going to, that's going to be our first fellowship back. So our prayer is that by the end of October, we're comfortable being back and doing a few of the things, particularly some fellowshipping uh, that we've done in the past. And that's our first fellowship, I guess, since maybe Super Sunday in February. I think we had the breakfast fellowship. And that may be the last time that we've been able to do some things together. But we'll have more detail on how that's going to work out uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, one other announcement uh, this morning, I, I didn't ask him if it was all right, but I'm just going to make the assumption it is. Uh, I want us to think about Daniel uh, this morning and pray for him. Daniel, not this next Sunday, but the next, that's the first Sunday in October, is going to be at First Baptist Church in Melissa's, and he is going there in lieu of a call to be their minister of music and worship. 
Y'all want to give Daniel a hand for that? And the reason that we uh, want to point that out, I want to ask in these next two weeks to be in prayer for them and for him because that what we want most of all is God's will to be done. Uh, we're proud of you, Daniel, and we're excited for you. We know this is just a beginning part of, uh, of moving in that direction of God's will in your life. So this morning, let's uh, give thanks for the offering and also let's uh, think about Daniel and just all the things that God's got before us as a church together. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the time that we get to be here, the beautiful, beautiful day that we have, a, a gorgeous fall Sunday to be in the house of the Lord and to just come together. And Lord, as we begin to take these initial steps to reopening some things that have been closed in our ministry, uh, Lord, we just continue to pray your hand of favor and blessing upon those things. Uh, Lord, to keep us and others safe, our community safe. Lord, we know there's still some things that we're going to need to do when we come together to practice uh, some safe protocols, uh, keeping our distance and wearing masks and, and keeping uh, our, our hands with uh, sanitation germ stuff on it so that, Lord, we, we can just do our best to keep from spreading anything uh, in our community, in our church, and among uh, just the ministries that we've got here, Lord. But, well, Lord, we want to get back together again. We, we miss that sweet fellowship of being with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray, Lord, for all the things that we've got planned, that, that we can uh, do those things, pull those things off to your glory, uh, to your honor, and, Lord, to our good. We also pray this morning for Daniel. We're excited for him. We've watched him, Lord, uh, grow uh, as a young Christian, Lord. And now, uh, in these uh, last couple of years, he has uh, just been uh, so, uh, Father, sensitive to the, the will that you have upon his life. And, and Lord, in his own testimony, uh, several months ago, he told us how he was being led into the uh, Christian ministry, particularly the worship ministry that, that he's been gifted to do. And then, Lord, to, to hear that uh, there is now a sister church that uh, is looking at bringing uh, their ministry and his ministry together uh, in this marriage is an exciting thing. We, we give you the glory and the honor of just uh, the prospect of that. Lord, our deepest desire is that your will would be done to your glory uh, and to the good of those that need to be ministered to. We pray for Daniel's ministry. We pray for uh, First Baptist Melissa's and their ministry. And Lord, uh, if it's not your will, then Lord, make it clear. But if it is, Lord, again, make it clear and just, Lord, help them to know and see those things. And whatever we might can do and other churches do, to encourage, Lord, uh, more people to step up uh, in that uh, call of ministry. Lord, help us uh, to always lift that and exalt that because the need is great. The field is wide unto harvest. And, Lord, we, we need to be a church that prays uh, for laborers to be sent out to do that glorious work. Lord, for the offering that has come in uh, this morning, that continues to come in through the week, uh, that's been given online, all of those things that, Lord, we get to give to, to your glory and honor. We just ask you this morning uh, to, to honor those things as our worship to you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand with us as we continue to worship together?
simply means to praise God. And so many times in the scriptures, we're either given an example or a commandment that we are to praise God continually in our life. Whatever, goes, whatever comes our way, God says to give thanks in all situations to praise God. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. Your love is a mystery, how you gently lift me when I am surrounded. Your love carries me.
Father God, we just uh, we long for that day that we'll be able to lay everything down that we've gone through in this world. Every sickness, every heartache, every pain, uh, every sad departure of a loved one that's gone on before us to be with you. Uh, but uh, one day, you, there, your word says you will wipe away every tear and that we will get to spend with all eternity with you to be forever joyful with you, uh, to be the best us that we can possibly be. And we just thank you for your love, Lord. We ask it all in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You Thank you, Lauren.
Take your Bible this morning and open to Matthew uh, chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Our little guys are going to make their way to Children's Church. I want to thank uh, Lauren for doing the uh, song for us this week. When I knew that we were going to be looking at the story of Jesus and the leper, that song just kind of came to my heart. I heard it several weeks ago uh, and just kind of had looked at it. It's a beautiful song that talks about how, you know, God makes our life beautiful by his grace, how Christ comes in and takes what is uh, broken and what is sick and what is death and changes it. And then also, if you, you, you might not notice it, and it took me several times listening to the song and, and, and looking at the lyrics to, to notice this, but if you notice, there's a transition in the song where the beauty is taken off of the change that's happened in the life of the sinner, but the beauty is now redirected upon the one who brings the change, and that's Christ. And we've been looking at Jesus these last couple of weeks together, thinking about the heart of Jesus. We've talked about uh, all of our heart, our love for him, and uh, then last week we talked about the very heart of Jesus in how his heart is lowly, and gentle. And I want us to look at this morning, this title, this subject, the heart of Jesus in action. And in just a moment, we'll read verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 8. Let me prime the pump a little bit this morning with another verse for you. Matthew 14 and verse 14, when he, Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he, Jesus, had compassion on them and healed they're sick. You know, the best measure of compassion is love in action, isn't it? If we want to say, does someone really, really care and say, yes, they do, then that love is seen at work. It's seen in action. Joe White, in his book, Irresistible Love, talks about how we tend to see Jesus. Uh, let me give you a section of what he says. He says, the American Jesus has blue eyes, fair skin, and wavy light brown hair discreetly highlighted with sandy blonde streaks. His hands are soft and tender, and his beautiful scarlet and purple robes have just been returned from the dry cleaners. He is warm, cuddly, and he always plays it safe. Traveling with this American Jesus is like traveling with a sweet, quiet old grandpa who's well-friendly to everybody. And finally, the good news is we know that we, we can always meet him each week at church from 10 to 11 a.m. How do you see Jesus? When the name Jesus comes to your mind and your heart, you hear it in your ears, who is he? Who is this Jesus that we gather together to worship every Sunday and every week together. Who is he? Have we ever dug deep to examine who he is? Have we ever dug deep into his heart? And if we have, and if we do, what do we find? Would we, would we be surprised? Have we been surprised by what we have found? Does it amaze us? You think about what Scripture and others in the world have said about Jesus. Isaiah spoke of Jesus, spoke of his coming. 
He said of Jesus that he's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, the prince of peace. Uh, one of the greatest writers this world has ever known, William Shakespeare, said this about Jesus, that it was his savior, his hope, his creator, that apart from his mercy, he had no hope for eternal life. And then if you want to go beyond in another worldly sense, think about what God the Father said about Jesus as he proclaimed from heaven at his baptism that, that this is his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. How do you see Jesus? What do we know of his heart? Who is this Jesus? This Jesus who loves us so much, the one who gave his life as a ransom for our life that we might have eternal life. I want to challenge you this morning to dig deep, to dig deep into the heart of Jesus and our prayers that we come away with a deeper picture, a better picture, a greater appreciation for our Lord. Maybe there is no better place, I think, than for us to dig deep than what we find in Matthew 8, this miracle, this miracle that shows us the depth of the heart of Jesus, but his heart not just in talk, not just in theory, but in action. You know, the old saying is what? Actions speak louder than our words. And that's true, isn't it? And so when we come to this miracle, I think it really does confirm what we said last week when we looked at the very heart of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 29, that he is gentle and he is lowly of heart. In other words, Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. The actions of Jesus ring loud. They ring clear that what he says he is, what he is, he does. What and who Jesus is, he is. Jesus cannot act or behave in any other way. Unlike us, Jesus never puts on airs or pretends to be something or someone he is not. When Jesus says, for example, that he loves us, he really means it. He really does love us. When Jesus speaks, he is speaking a truth, a truth that is truer than truth or true itself. So with that thought in mind, now I want us to come to Matthew 8, and I want us to look at verses 1 through 4, where we find Jesus cleansing the leper. Now when he, when Jesus came down from the mountain, and he had just finished delivering that great sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. You can almost see clusters of groups, clusters of families, clusters of communities thronging after him, following him. And behold, a leper came to him, knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest, and listen, offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Let me set the context, if I can, a little bit for you today. As HIV or AIDS is in our world today, leprosy 
was in the ancient day of Israel there. It was a most dreaded disease. Leprosy is that contagious skin disease that affects the skin, but it also affects the color of the skin. It affects the texture of the skin. It affects the odor of the skin. It also affects the inward body. For example, the throat. It creates every uh, raspy voice in that the, the lining of the throat is attacked. It slowly destroys the nerve senses, uh, that which tells the body that there is pain. Often lepers would lose tips of fingers or toes or break their limbs because they just simply couldn't feel what was happening. They couldn't feel the weight of something to know that it was too heavy. They couldn't feel the heat of something knowing that it was too hot. Uh, or they couldn't feel the cut of something knowing that it was too sharp. To make matters worse, this disease meant that they must live life separated. There's a separatedness to this life. They were quarantined. That's a word that we know, a word for today. How do we think about COVID-19? You know, uh, that's the worry. You know, we hear about a loved one or a friend or a neighbor or a church member, somebody getting it. We, we worry about getting it. We stay locked in our own homes and we shut down our businesses. We, we close down society hoping to keep from getting sick or getting someone else sick. This was the reality for the leper in that day. That was the way that it would, would work for them. Praise God, though, that we have a God, that we have a Savior that, 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 that knows our need and has the power to make a difference. I want to say this to you this morning and this is the big takeaway if you don't hear anything else i want you to hear this this morning we are never so far from jesus that we are untouchable unreachable and unsavable and so as you drill down in matthew 8 verses 1 through 4 the, the leper says lord if you will underscore that word will you can make me clean and Matthew tells us that Jesus immediately stretches out his hands and touches him. And Jesus speaks back these words, I will be clean. That word will in both the leper's request and in Jesus' response is a, is a word there in the Greek, that word thelos, that means to desire, to wish. The leper is saying, Jesus, if it is your desire... If it is your wish, I know that you can make me whole. Jesus says back, it is my wish. It is my desire. That act of volition, the act of using one's power to carry out what the heart so desires and wants to happen. So here's the big point. The leper was asking, Jesus, what is your deepest desire who are you? What's in your heart? Are you lowly and gentle? In other words, Jesus, do you really love me? Do you really love us? What's in the inner core of your being? And Jesus reveals to him his deepest desire. I will for you to be clean. The heart of Jesus in action 
always offers us a touch. I want to say that this morning. The heart of Jesus in action, that is his heart being carried out in our life, always offers to us a touch. The question is, will we let Jesus touch us? Will we let Jesus affect us? For if we do, then Jesus can bring the healing that we need. I want you to see three things about the heart of Jesus in this touch. Number one, the heart of Jesus offers us what I want to call his intimate touch or his personal touch. When Jesus stretched out his hand to touch this leper, he's demonstrating his heart in part to be intimately connected, intimately involved in this man's life. In the days of Israel, Israel had its own set of rules and regulations about who was untouchable, who was unapproachable, who, who was to be separated. And anyone who was diseased with this disease of leprosy carried that stigma to be removed, cast out, quarantined. This disease carried with it not only the the, the profound physical implications of being separated and quarantined and, and put aside, but it also carried with it a spiritual implication. This was a disease in which those who had it or suffered from it were seen to be cursed of God. First century Israel, lepers had the embodiment of what was wrong, everything that was wrong in the human condition. If you were a leper, you, you were cursed of God. You were a sinner. You were unclean, not just physically outwardly, but also unclean inwardly. Lepers were marked by that disease with that uh, uh, appearance and smell and odor. But they had a, also an inward hurt, a heartache, a despair, and a brokenness. To be a leper in the day of Jesus was, was to really be living a, a sentence of a living death. Listen to what uh, Leviticus chapter 13 uh, uh, tells us about this and, and, and what God tells to Moses and, and how to handle uh, those that have leprosy among the people of God. And in Leviticus 13, beginning in verse 38, when a man or a woman has spots on the skin of the body, white spots, the priest shall look, and if the spots on the skin of the body are dull white, then it's leucoderma that has broken out on the skin, and he is clean. In other words, he just kind of got a rash. But if a man's hair falls out from his head and he's bald, he is clean. And if a man's hair falls out uh, from his forehead, uh, he has baldness on the forehead, he is clean. But if there is on the bald head or on the bald forehead a reddish-white uh, diseased area, it is a leprous disease breaking out on the bald head of his bald forehead. And then the priest shall examine him, and if uh, the disease swelling is reddish and white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, like the appearance of a leprous disease in the skin of the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. And then he says this, the priest must pronounce him unclean, inside, outside, completely unclean. His disease is on his head. In other words, it's been clear. It's been shown. It's there for everyone to see. And then verse 45. 
The leprous person then who has, been, uh, has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, and shall cover his upper lip, uh, keep his face covered, and then he shall go out crying before people, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean, and he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. What an awful way to live. Can you imagine living in basic rags, living in the, the dying, decaying disease of your flesh, living on the outskirts of, of life itself, and then when people do see you, you must cry out, unclean, unclean, to see little kids and others scurry and run away from me. And if you were to get too close to see them throw stones at you, to shoo you away, what could Jesus do for this man? What could Jesus do for this leper? This disease had held a terrible grip upon him. He was alienated from people, but he was also alienated from God. He was untouchable, and he is unclean. This is the reality that's interjected here in Matthew chapter 8. And let me say, it is a strategic moment in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is given that great sermon on the mount and he's just begun his earthly ministry and he's coming down off the mountain and he's getting ready to go out and to minister far and wide and begin to present the the good news that the messiah has come and here comes this one that if 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 it's if this isn't handled right if 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 things aren't done right it could it could literally send the train off the track in the ministry of Jesus. Mark 1.40 tells us the timing of this event, the desperation of this man as a leper comes to Jesus there. We see him coming, uh, Jesus coming down off that mountain in verse 1, deliver after delivering that sermon on the mount. Luke tells us in Luke 5.12 about uh, the, the impetus behind what's going on here, how this man was covered with leprosy uh, from head to toe. The disease had so ravaged his body that, listen, friend, he was in the final stages. He didn't just have a spot here or there. He was covered head to toe. He was living at the doorstep of death. The law demanded for him to remain apart. Let me say that this leper truly had nothing to lose. It didn't matter if they stoned him to death. He was probably just a couple of days away from dying anyway. He had nothing left to lose. He had everything to gain. He came seeking the mercy of Jesus. But he comes not only out of desperation. He also comes in faith. Mark 1.40 says, And the leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down, and says, If you will, you can make me clean. Remember, I said this is seen as a curse of God. It was seen as really the finger of God. Leprosy had been given by God. Therefore, it could only be removed by God. You remember how leprosy came about there? We read through it when we were going through numbers together. How it was a judgment of God. And therefore, this man was seen as one who was under the curse of God. But this man comes declaring his faith in Christ as God. 
He is saying that you can remove this curse because you are God. Let me jump ahead just for a little bit, but this is the first healing of a leper in Scripture since the days of Elisha when Naaman, that Syrian general, had been healed. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want you to see that he's coming and he's publicly declaring that Jesus, you are the Christ. That you are God in the flesh. His faith is ready to show that God has come down from upon high and dwells among us. He is saying that God, you have come to get messy with us. And Jesus is responding back to the man's, listen, not just desperation, but his faith. And Jesus is saying, it is what I want. To get messy with you. It is what I want to touch you. To bring to you what you need most. And what I have most to give. And that is the intimate touch. Of my grace. And your love. Let me say to you the heart of Jesus. Offers us. His intimate touch. His personal touch. But number two. The heart of Jesus. Offers us his powerful touch. How long had it been since this man had had shaken a hand? How long had it been since this man had had anyone pat him on the back to hug him, to embrace him, to give him a kiss? How long had it been since this man had felt human? In Victor Hugo's classic book, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, you remember the story, maybe you kids uh, remember it from Disney. There's a badly deformed infant that's taken to Paris and that infant is discovered by the priest and they take that child in. And what's most telling is the name that the priest gives to the the child, Quasimoto. The online etymology dictionary tells us that that name is actually made up of two Latin terms that really kind of give a tragic title to the name Quasimoto. Quasi meaning almost. Moto meaning the measure of. Taken together, Quasimodo means almost the measure of a human. Quasimodo was almost the measure of a real human being. Almost a person. That was the leper. People looked at him and thought he's not really human, is he? When's the last time since he'd been treated human? This man is desperate. And, he, and, and, and yes, an intimate touch is is going to be a wonderful thing, but, but he needs more than just an intimate touch. He needs a powerful touch. And let me say to you, dear friend, that God is a God that has a touch that's unlike any other touch that can be given. It's not just a touch that cares. It's a touch that changes. God changes things. God changes people. Think about Simon. He became Peter the rock. Think about Jacob, that Old Testament trickster, becomes Israel, the prince of God. Think about Abram, called out of that pagan land, became the father of faith, became Abraham. His touch transformed a defeated Elijah into Elijah, the man of God. His touch changed Moses, the murderer, into Moses, the leader of the people of God. His touch transformed a a nobody named Jeremiah, into Jeremiah, the weeping prophet of God. His touch changed James and John. They were known as the sons of thunder. 
James became the first early martyr of the church, and John became the apostle of love. That is our Lord. He has a, a touch that changes. His touch is powerful. His touch is personal. The priest and the Levites could do nothing for this, this leper. Neither could the rabbis or the rulers. The Sanhedrin and the synagogues didn't want any part of him. The temple had already barred him from, from coming anywhere near it. Law legislated against him. The man's disease illustrated the ravages of human sin left in his life. Leprosy symbolized the vile hold of sin upon his life. You set this over and against the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus has just finished teaching and Jesus is talking about the highest and the holiest standard of righteousness with God. And now here comes this man who is the epitome of sin itself and unholiness and brokenness. This leper came to Jesus. He didn't need a code of some sermon. He didn't need a creed of some believers. What he needed was the powerful touch of a Savior. And Jesus knew it. The Bible says Jesus stretched out his hand and Jesus touched him. And here we see that Jesus does a lovely thing, something that no scribe or rabbi would dare do for all the wealth in the world, for all the, the praise in the world. They wouldn't have touched him, but Jesus does. Jesus touches him. No clean man, woman, boy, or girl would touch this man, but Jesus did. Jesus lovingly demonstrates his amazing grace. Jesus shows us the golden rule. Listen, in action, notice what he says there in verse 3. Jesus stretched out his hand. I thought about that for a little while this week. I underscored that word stretched. You know what that, that, that tells me? Jesus had to make an effort. Not, not just that Jesus had come down off the mountain or that Jesus had come down out of heaven and that this man came to a point as far as he knew he could come to Jesus but he knew Jesus would be the one who would have to choose to fully come to him and I'm sure there are still those that were there that day that were in that crowd saying back up back up uh, don't go near don't go near throwing rocks at him, shooing him. And Jesus made the effort, no, no. It is my desire to make you clean. And I'm going to do it. Jesus didn't have to do it with a touch, but he did. I want to tell you, dear friend, Jesus not only has the desire, but he has the power to bring change and newness of life. Anyone here today need a touch of the Savior? Anyone here today need a touch of Jesus in your marriage? Need a touch of Jesus in your life, in your faith? Need a touch of Jesus to fix what only he can fix? Let me give you a third thing about the touch of Jesus, the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus offers us his transforming touch. Not only is it personal, not only uh, is it powerful, it is productive. Jesus said, I will be thou clean. 
With authority, Jesus says, absolutely. Absolutely. You will be clean. Our words at best are legislative. We can command or give orders, but we can't translate them into instantaneous results. The, the words of our Lord are not just legislative, but they're executive. Do them. Jesus spoke and it was done. On the morning of creation, he said, light, let there be. And dear friend, there was light. On that period of creation, Jesus said, to the, to the waters, bring forth abundantly. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 and verse 3 and in verse 20 that there were a myriad of life that sprang forth in the waters. John tells us in verse 14 of chapter 1 that the Word was made flesh. And here he is. God is before this man and he says to him, be clean. And Matthew tells us it happened immediately. It didn't happen over a period of time. It didn't happen like it did with Naaman going and washing in the, in the river there and, and dipping himself seven times. And, and, and then, you know, at somewhere along the way, he was clean. No, immediately at the command of Jesus, the leprosy was gone. The spots were gone. The odor was gone. The stench was gone. The disease was gone. An extraordinary and amazing miracle had taken place. The people had never seen anything like this. It was an amazing moment. Let me also say there's so much more happening here than, than perhaps what we see on the surface. And, and I want to share with you why I think this is a transforming miracle. I said to you that the last recorded uh, person of the Bible of the Old Testament healed of leprosy had been naming and and elisha had also healed some other foreigners the bible says that's kind of the last recorded acts of lepers being healed but what you may not know is that the last recorded person who was a person of god healed the last jewish person healed was miriam moses's sister you remember how she received the leprosy as part of the judgment of God. And just as God had taken away the leprosy of Miriam, now Jesus has done this for this Jewish man, this leper. And, and don't miss this because there's such a, a missed opportunity here. You, you remember how in uh, Leviticus 13, the command was to go out and uh, if cleansing came, there was to be an offering given. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew. Don't go tell anyone, but go to the priest and show yourself to be clean and make an offering. Listen to Leviticus 14, beginning in verse 2. This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. And then it if the case of the leper's disease is healed in the leper's person, the priest shall command them to take him uh, for him is to be cleansed, to live, uh, to live clean birds, uh, to, to live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and, and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in the earthen vessel over the fresh water. And he shall take the live bird 
uh, with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and, and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird into the blood of, uh, of the bird that was killed over the fresh water and he shall sprinkle it uh, seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. That's the Old Testament offering. That's the Old Testament uh, ritual. I, I want to say there's so much symbolism here. There's so much uh, 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 happening here that is really a picture of, of, of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus. In those two birds, you have those two lives. One is symbolized in Christ. One is symbolized in that leper. And one is killed for the other. And that blood has made uh, right that, uh, that other one. And the other one is set free. That's what's happening in this leper in his meeting with Jesus. The declaration, the Messiah, the man of God has arrived. That was what this man was to do. He was to go out and, and to do this, this, this uh, uh, offering as a proclamation to the people of God that Jesus had arrived. But what is so sad is he disregards the command of Jesus. Let me close and just say, I understand. I mean, who can rightly blame him? I mean, how long had he been living on the outskirts by himself, not feeling human, without family, not without real friends. His soul has been set free. Like you and I, we would want to go and celebrate the touch of God. But he missed an opportunity to proclaim that Jesus had come. He had missed an opportunity to reveal the full identity of Jesus. Unfortunately, he leaves Jesus as, as pictured as just a healer and not God himself. One Bible teacher I read noted the great irony here, said the leper was told to tell no one, yet he told everyone. We're told to tell everyone, but we tend to tell no one. But there's more. Jesus in the event trades places with the leper in Luke's account, we're told that after this event that Jesus went alone to pray and the leper goes back into the community among the multitude. Let me tell you this morning that Jesus' heart is not far off despite his presence in heaven. By the Holy Spirit, he still offers that loving touch. It's an intimate touch. It's a personal touch. It, it's a strong touch. It's a powerful touch that transforms and is productive in life. But I don't want you to miss the opportunity to fully obey what God would ask of you to do. I don't know what pain, what hurt, you may have today where you need the touch of the Lord Jesus in your life. But can I tell you, dear friend, he is able. He is able. And I go back to that verse there in Matthew. Here's the leper on his knees before Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He stretched out his hand. Can I say to you, dear friend, what did Jesus do for you and I? 
he stretched out his hands that he might touch us intimately that he might get messy in our life whatever mess you've got I've known people that have said I can't come to Christ you don't understand preacher my life's been too bad I've blown it here I've been in drugs I've been in sin I've done this I've done that I've done this dear friend there is not one person unreachable by God he's come to get messy His touch is a powerful touch. This man was at death's doorstep. And he found a new life. That's the power of, of our Lord. And I want to tell you that his touch, his touch gives a new life of rejoicing that gives us an opportunity to go out, listen, and point others to Jesus. That they too might come before him and give them their life in him the glory. Heavenly Father, this morning we get a chance to see inside the heart of your Son, our Savior, our God, a heart that has come to us the very heart of our Lord in action. We see it when the world would say, don't go near, too broken, too dead, too diseased. But God, we see that you are the God who is able, that there is no life unreachable, untouchable, unchangeable, no matter how horrible things may be. What a mighty and awesome God we have. Lord, perhaps someone's listening today and they're saying, oh, how I need that touch, Jesus. How I need for you to stretch out your arms for me. Well, the good news is that, Jesus, you've already stretched out your arms on Calvary. That we might know your touch. And you say, Lord, in your word that you stand at the, the heart, the door of our heart, and you knock. And you say that whosoever answer, whoever opens their heart, you shall come in. We ask that question, God, how do I open my heart to you? Well, we've, been, we've, we've, we've prayed that prayer before. Lord, maybe we've been there by the side of the road. We've been pulled over because we've been speeding. And, and we see that trooper getting out and we pray that prayer. Oh, God, please get me out of this ticket. That's an open heart. That's, that's saying, I, my heart's open for you to let me free of a ticket. We've been there at that test, that open, uh, uh, that quiz that's given to us in school, and we're not ready, and we pray that prayer, oh, God, help me have the answers. Our heart's open to, for you to provide instantaneous knowledge of a quiz. Lord, it's the same prayer for salvation. Just to say, God, I'm a sinner that needs to be saved. You're standing at the door of our heart and knocking, saying, I want to come in. We just simply have to invite you. And Lord, if there's someone today that's praying that prayer, Lord, save me. Every believer, every child of God's praying along with them and rejoicing that a life has been changed 
and touched by your grace. And Lord, to follow in full obedience, to make that known. Lord, to record that decision so others can pray for them, to step out and to come forward and say, I want to make public my decision. Whatever it is, Lord, profession of faith, recommitment of life, whatever, Lord, let your will be done. As we come now to the moment, that decision like the leper made to come to you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing the Lord's spoken. You come. We pray God's blessings come. upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you and we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.